It's Saturday morning. You actually get up earlier than you normally would when you're forced to go to school. You run downstairs in your Superman underoos. You walk over to the TV and turn the knob, turning it to one of three channels for a glorious morning of Fruity Pebbles and Saturday morning programs. Probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Talking about cartoons, you freaking millennials. Yes, cartoon horror films on this episode of Back of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Podcast. 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 Hello and welcome to episode 209 called Cartoons. Now I know what you're thinking. This is a horror movie podcast. It's a podcast where a group of friends get together and discuss our common bond, which is our love for horror movies. So we pick a topic this time around, and it's about cartoons. Well, I guess you could <laughs> technically say animated horror or or horror-related movies that happen to be animated or, you know, cartoons. So um, horror, that just proves that horror can cross into all genres, even including animation. Now, if you are you a fan of our show, you want more Attack of the Killer podcast in your life, become one of the elite and become an official attacker. Learn more about what it is and how to become an attacker by going to jointheattackers.com. You want you ain't gonna regret it that much, I know. No, it's it's awesome. Check it out. Go there now. Well, listen to the show. Then go there and then then go there to jointheattackers.com. Got it? Good. Now it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He kind of finds it sexy when Bugs Bunny dresses up like a girl. Andy, everybody. (laughs) That I do. That I do. How's it going? He, He lives in a pineapple under the sea. Absorbent and yellow and porous is he. Jason Bollinger. Yo, yo, yo. What's up? Thanks for tuning in, everybody. He would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those meddling kids and their dog. Like, wow, man. Ted Good, everybody. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh. And why is he at the Disney orgy? Because he's fucking goofy. Welcome back to the show, Brian Clark, everybody. <laughs> hey, did you know that cartoon characters can't get laid even though they're really nice guys? It's not their fault, though. They're in cells. <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome to the dark side. <laughs> All right, so this episode of Attack of the Killer podcast is sponsored by Shudder. Shudder is the Netflix for horror, and you can get a month of Shudder for free on us here at Attack of the Killer podcast. How do you do that? Go to Shudder.com and enter our promo code AOTKP. Do it now so you can get in on this glorious last drive-in stuff, man. Oh, it's so awesome. Yeah. And not just because Tad's live tweeting during it. That is my favorite, second favorite part of it, but... It's awesome. My first favorite part are his um, driving totals. Afterwards. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> Speaking of Tad, I'm going to turn it over to him now. Tad? All right, we're going to kick it right into my mom's favorite segment, What We Watched, <laughs> where we discuss um, what we've watched since the last time we recorded.
I'm going to let the guests go first. Uh, Brian, what have you watched? Uh, I'll just keep it brief to a few things. Uh, checked out The Lighthouse, finally, last weekend. Hey, nice. It was okay. What did you think? It was okay. all right. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It looked real pretty. Um, uh, sea Fever, that one's a great one. That, that's a new yeah. uh, independent, uh, I want to say Irish, perhaps, movie. Looked like a lot of Gaelic names in the credits. Uh, real cool, creepy, uh, aquatic monster feature. There's some a uh, couple of shots in that thing just made my fucking blood run cold. Um, After Midnight, new one with uh, Jeremy Gardner from The Battery and Tex Montana will yeah. survive. Real, real cool mm-hmm. little uh, indie monster flick. And uh, I finally... Uh, grabbed a copy of VFW because I absolutely yes. loved Bliss, and so I was super stoked to see the next one. So I grabbed that one sight unseen, just bought the Blu-ray, watched it, and it's fantastic. Yeah, dude, Bagos is like my new my my jam right now. That's love that movie. I will say I think I liked Bliss better, but VFW was awesome. William Sadler absolutely owns that movie. Yes. Oh. <laughs> When he picks up that concrete saw, he's like, look what I found. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Excellent. Was there anything else you watched or is that? Your oh, I've watched lots of stuff, but that's good enough. Wow. He knows how to get through it quick. Uh, let's go over to Jason and show him how oh. it's done. <laughs> oh man, I'll go quick too. So I watched this new Helen Hunt horror movie. I see you. That's right. Helen Hunt. And this movie is pretty good. It ha- I mean, it has a, uh, uh, I don't know, a made-for-TV definite vibe to it, but there's some pretty awesome twists and turns in it. I really liked it a lot. So what was it called again? Mad About You? I see you. <laughs> it's pretty good. Is it like uh, I, the letters I, no. C, and you, like the intensive care unit? Okay, moving on. We have uh, Hercules <laughs> Against the Moon Men. Awesome! I know. Every Boy, week we do that. Every week. Yes, MST3K. Um, then I also Damn, watched uh, Warrior of the Lost World. Uh-huh. Awesome! I know. <laughs> MST3K. Damn it. Or, or, or uh, the, the other one. Rift Tracks. Rift Tracks, jeez. That's yeah, so some of those disappointing two. that Rift Tracks has fallen yeah. back on just redoing all of these old MST episodes. Like, there's so much more crap out there, guys. Find something new. Quit treading this old ground. Well, well, their catalog goes pretty deep. When they started, it was a lot of rehashing MST3K stuff, or more importantly, rehashing like the same public domain stuff that everybody's done like right. a thousand times. But a lot more of their new stuff is coming on Amazon, yeah. you know, for pay even right away. It's yeah, I'm trying to remember the last one I saw that I got so excited for, but I wasn't gonna. They did recently do it. Robo Vampire. That one's a lot of fun. Nice. Ooh. I think I saw well, the rip track. Grizzly, for, they did that. For Stone yeah, Cold. Grizzly, that was a while ago. That I also Brian. watched. A, mm-hmm. What? Well, I was just going to say, I've seen the riff tracks for uh, Stone Cold, the uh, the Brian Bosworth one movie, which is awesome. Yeah. Funny. <laughs> they did a good Samurai Cop one, too. I, I finally watched for the first time. Uh, we watched uh, Sinister. 2012 it was pretty great well it was your first time first time hmm. yep with that ethan hawk kid 
and Vincent D'Onofrio and things. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. Um, and then I watched another A24 film, uh, Enemy, with uh, Tad's boyfriend, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this movie, but it's fucked. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't say anything without spoiling it, but it's like a normal kick-ass movie. Like this guy, he sees a guy that looks just like him, and he's like, uh, this guy looks just like me. Like doppelganger straight up, so he like tries to investigate and track him down, and then it's like, oh shit, this is the same guy. But then the guy that he tracks down that looks like him is kind of a bad guy, and then tries to sleep with that guy's girlfriend, and then it gets all kind of, then it gets um, pretty off the rails, crazy, experimental, already fucked up. It's kind of worth it just to. You just can't even believe the last scene of it. It's really good. Um, And then uh, Mike and I did a podcast. Uh, We joined uh, Customers Also Watched um, the other day. So that um, episode should be coming out soon, probably around the time of this one. Um, We watched The Medusa Touch, 1978. Which is great because I've never even heard of this movie before. And I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, And Lee Remick. And it was pretty awesome. I think we talked her into liking it more. That's, that was <laughs> yeah. my favorite part. Uh, let's see. Those are the ones for the movie. Oh, we watched uh, Once a Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again last night. Oh, man, that movie's so good. But, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, Mike, I didn't know if you've seen this yet. Uh, this is my last one. That's called A Night of Horror, Nightmare Radio. I started to watch it and kind of fell asleep. Here's so the thing. I didn't put it on the list, but I was loving what I was seeing before I couldn't see it anymore because my eyes were closed. Right. That's typical. But uh, one thing I wanted to say is that they're basically, they acquired a bunch of short films and then built a. Oh, is that what it is? Because two of the short films are films that won at Halloween Apalooza. No way. Uh-huh. Oh, I totally must have fell asleep early. Yeah, this is in the last half of the movie. Which which, which two? It was the one, um, we just played it recently last year for the uh, movie nights, uh, Drops, where that dancer girl comes home, and then there's that fucking creature on the sink in the back. And <gasps> Oh, yeah, that one's, that one's uh-huh. awesome. That, and was then, in that? Nice. Because that the, was a foreign film. So. Uh-huh. Okay. And then uh, the other one was called shit. I can't remember what it's called, but it's a uh, this the sister comes home. This is really exciting for everyone else. Right. The sister comes home and she, you know, we learn that her sister had died and she's trying to go to bed. And the scene I remember that you'll remember is like her her keys are over there by the store and she goes to get them, but the door starts closing. And she has to reach around to get her key. It's fucking scary as fuck. Anyway, both of these films won Halloween Apalooza. Nice. And then they ended up in this movie, and I'm like, I know these. That's really cool. Now I want to go back and finish watching it. I, I mean, but I was loving it right out of the gate. That whole opening story that he narrates uh-huh. with the uh, invisible witch creature, whatever it is, that steals the woman's skin. And ends up getting pregnant. I thought that was freaking awesome. I loved it. I loved how they did it with the radio announcer just narrating it. Um, um, and like, uh, 
uh, the concept. Like it was something unique and cool and new yeah. that I've never seen before. Concept so. was cool, but by the time it was over, I as much as I enjoyed the lighting and the shots of the DJ guy in the wraparound story, his acting just I didn't like him. No, he was kind of awful and had one emotion which was blah and it just didn't do it but on paper the story of the wraparound when you get to the end you'll be like oh yeah that was kick-ass and worthy but Mm -hmm. but then when we you know i'm like oh you wonder about anthologies but you know and how they're written if they're all the stories are written from scratch uh as a theme together to make sense as a movie but then after i saw that two of these i knew already i'm like and then it just Maybe it's because of that, but then I was like, man, it really feels like they're just trying to squeeze these films into the storyline of the wraparound, and it just did. It's rather forced. It felt kind of forced on top of this dude's bad acting. But Hmm. anyway, yeah, it's a neat little film still. It's called A Night of Horror, Nightmare Radio, and that's what I've watched. Excellent. Well, how about you, Andy? What have you watched? Um... I'll keep mine uh, pretty short, but the the few things that I did watch, I was really impressed by, and uh, I will name them off now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at because I'm I couldn't quite remember which ones I wanted to go first. Um, uh, the the first one uh, that I want to talk about is it's actually on. Uh, YouTube and it's a five-part documentary series that was featured on Viceland and it's called The Devil You Know and it's about the Pazuzu Algorad story. Have you guys ever heard about this? No. Uh it's about this uh s- this guy that was living in uh Winston-Salem uh was South, South South Carolina, I believe. And he was a big devil worshiper guy and his mom lived with him and he like literally murdered like two people in there when when, it, when his mother was in there. And when they raided his home, well, his mom's home essentially because he took it over, um, he basically lived in filth and like the people who used to party there, you know, and do drugs with him. I mean, it was like, it was not like... um uncommon for like somebody to like literally just like pull their pants down and like take a crap in the room i mean it was just it was it's insane um and it's they they find the two bodies and there's a there's a lot more to the story and it's actually it's a really good documentary series i mean i was you know and the video the shows are about 45 minutes a pop but i was just like i was clicking on them like one right after the other because i really wanted to know how this turned out and it happened in all this stuff happened like around in 2009 and then never got really wrapped up until like 2017 i think um another one i watched is a russian movie that is just a hilarious gory uh dark comedy called why don't you just die have you guys heard about this one yes no sir Okay, um, for those who don't know, it's basically uh, this this girl convinces her boyfriend to go and kill her father at his apartment, and he brings the only thing he brings with him is a claw hammer. And the reason why she uh, asks him to kill her father is because she says that 
he had, you know, sexually molested her. But that doesn't really turn out to be the case, and there's much more to the story. Um, but just the overall, just over the top, like fighting, fighting that he does with the father, and just like the bloodletting, just in this small Russian apartment where I'd say probably seventy five percent of the movie takes place, because like the rest of the film is uh, flashbacks. Um. It's it's really really good. It's really funny. Um, really, it's like I'd say like the first ten minutes is like really slapstick, like Evil Dead two kind of physical comedy and gore. But it's but it's but it's based in the real world. Uh, I really really recommend that. I mean, if you don't mind uh, reading subtitles, go go rent this movie. It's super good. Um. The next one that I watched is We Summon the Darkness. This this is fairly new. It's got Oh yeah. Um uh Johnny Knoxville and uh Alexandra Daddario. Uh of course. Yeah, I Alexandra, really want to see this one. Yeah, it's it's not bad. Um is Alexandra, it funny? It's yeah, in 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 parts. Um Okay. Uh of course, you know, Alexandra Daddario could be talking about fucking insurance premiums and she would hold my attention. Um, but it's it takes place in 1988 and uh, it's during, you know, kind of like the height of like metal music and satanic panic. And these girls, you know, due to like, you know, typical horror movie tropes, you think like these girls are going to be the victims, but it's not necessarily like that. And I, I can't really touch more upon it because it'll kind of give away the, the plot twist, but all I can say that it's, I, I enjoyed it and it's, it's worth a watch. Um, the last one that I want to talk about, and I just watched it, uh, this Sunday and I really, really like this movie. Uh, it's available on shutter. And it's called Blood Quantum. Oh, that looked awesome! I saw a trailer oh, for it. Oh, it's it's really really good. It's uh, it's a Native American uh, zombie film, and I don't want to give away too much of the plot details. But I, all I gotta say is that the kills are awesome. Uh, it's it doesn't really pull any punches when it comes to like, you know, the blood and the gore. Um, they, you know, they, they still, they still have a, they rival we with the stupid white man. Um, and <laughs> that, that kind of thing. Uh, but yes, uh, I highly recommend all, all these, uh, blood quantum. We summon the darkness. Why don't you just die? And the devil, you know, which is available on YouTube. Sweet. Excellent. I guess that leaves you, Mike. What have you watched? Ah, check this out. What? You got things? I got things. Oh, it's about time. I got I like it. eight things. What? And that's not even counting the freaking Joe Bob stuff. Oh, yeah. I skipped that for you. Yeah, I didn't even put that down. Uh, I decided... Uh, go through some movies i haven't watched and that i have in my collection um i have on blu-ray and i and like a friend of mine gave me this one and i haven't ever gotten around to watching it until now 
but uh, violence in a women's prison from 1983, also known as Caged Women or Penitentiary 4. It's a Bruno Mattei film, so um, I don't know why I waited so long, because Bruno Mattei rules. Um, Does he? And it's... <laughs> It's it's I think the film is also part of the uh, Black Emmanuel series, um, which is kind of an offshoot of the regular Emmanuel series, because because uh, Laura um, Gemiser 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 um, yeah she stars in she stars in this and she typically as you know per usual plays a reporter. And, you know, and she gets too close to ex- um, exposing this uh, corporate official. And so is, is sent to prison on trumped up charges and got everything you would expect from a 1983 Italian Bruno Mattei uh, women in prison exploitation film. So that was fun. Um, I watched this movie that I had that I had bought at the pawn shop a long time ago called Finishing the Game. 2007 it's not a horror film but i I wanted to briefly mention it because uh it's a comedy um it's directed by justin lynn who did several of the fast and the furious movies but don't hold that against him uh this is a pretty funny mockumentary about uh, the casting about casting the next bruce lee to finish lee's last movie game of death that he died before he finished it so they were trying to so they were trying to finish the movie by casting some uh, uh, Bruce Lee replacement. So it's really funny. It's it's really spinal tappy in that type of mockumentary uh, filmmaking. One of my favorite characters in it is this uh, this one Asian actor who thinks he's God's gift to Asian cinema and um, feels like he's um, above Bruce Lee, even though they like you know the documentarians ask him like. Um, but don't you get compared to Bruce Lee a lot because your films are are so similar to Bruce Lee? And he's like, no. And they'll show clips from his movies and it's just straight up exactly ripoffs like. of Bruce Lee movies. <laughs> it's like totally enter the dragon. And and it cuts back to him. It shows, shows some scenes and it cuts back to him. And he's like, Bruce Lee wore a yellow jumpsuit. I wore blue. So it's stuff like that. It was pretty funny. <laughs> um, then I also watched uh, Stoned Age, a.k.a. Homo Erectus. Um I watched it because it's directed by Adam Rifkin, and um, I love I love everything that I've seen of Adam Rifkin's film. So I'm trying to absorb as much of his stuff as I can. You know, movies like Detroit Rock City, Dark Backwards, The Chase, Director's Cut, Chillerama, all of those that he's done um, are I just love all those movies. Um, this one's a little rougher. Um, it's got Ron Jeremy in it. Adam Rifkin himself stars in it. It's also got Gary Busey, um, Ali uh, Lauder, David Carradine, um, and and obviously he's obviously he's trying to channel like early Mel Brooks and early Woody Allen type type of stuff, especially kind of casting himself. You can definitely see some Woody Allen influences there because Adam uh, is this uh, caveman. This takes place in caveman times, even though he's still wearing his regular modern modern day eyeglasses. Uh, he's Ishbo, the cave, the philosophical caveman who, uh, is considered the black sheep of his tribe because he'd rather try to evolve than rather hunt or go to war with the rival tribe. So there's, there's some funny stuff in it. And I, I, you know, I, I kind of like seeing Adam Rifkin taking the lead, 
even though by the end you kind of get a little sick of them. But uh, <clears throat> um, it's definitely not as awesome of the other Af Adam Rifkin films that I've seen. Um, but it's still it's still a good time. Uh, part of the problem with this film is that uh, when it was made, um, National Lampoon got their hands on it and put put that on top of it. So it's National Lampoon's Stone Age. Um, so because of that, they added like a crap ton more like boobs and stuff like that. Um, you know, which I'm not complaining, but, uh, you know, it definitely feels really forced and overly exploitive when it does show up in the movie. And then there's even moments in the movie where like, this is going to sound weird to say they CGI boobs into the movie. Like you could tell there's composited women running around with no tops on, uh, running back and forth in front of the camera, but you could tell it's composited onto what was originally shot. It looks like crap and it's so annoying. Uh, then also I watched, um, Bram's the boy Two. I watched that. Um, that was kind of meh. I wasn't a big fan of that. Um, they definitely go far more into the supernatural than the first boy movie did kind of retcon what happens in the first movie so that kind of upsets upset me because i love how the twist in the first movie is the fact that it's not supernatural it's just a dude living in the wall spoilers for that movie yeah um i finally got around seeing seeing scary stories to tell in the dark yeah that was freaking awesome loved it loved it loved it um also watched the hunt oh that new one and that was awesome. I really loved that movie. I did not expect it to be as funny as it was. I mean, I was laughing out loud. It's 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 way more comedy than anything else, I feel like. But when it gets brutal, man, holy shit. It, it the <laughs> violence is just up to like a million. Cuz there's like a, there's one moment that really stood out to me. This guy gets shot like three times by arrows, but the sound effects are so loud and chunky and visceral that it just makes those moments when he's getting hit by arrows seem 10 times more violent. So, you know, they, they really amp up the violence in the movie. Uh, and then I saw this movie called this newer movie called candy corn. Yeah. How was that? Eh, it's okay. I, I like, kind of want like Rob zombie light. Yes. Have you seen it? That's a little, no, I've seen a trailer. Man. The local boogeyman uh, the, productions, right? Yeah. The poster looks awesome. That's what intrigues me. That's but. that's what ended up making Brandy and I click on it. So we thought the poster looked cool. Hmm. But uh um yeah, it's definitely Rob Zombie Light. Because it's directed by Josh uh Hasty Hasty, uh who worked on thirty one and actually was the producer on the making of the thir of thirty one, uh the documentary. So um you could definitely feel I, I I referred to it as it's like Dark Knight of the Scarecrows, but also taking a lot of notes from Rob Zombie films. Um, it's definitely got a lot of stunt casting in it. It's got PJ Souls, Tony Todd, who is actually also a producer on the film, Courtney Gaines. Uh, the difference, though, in like um, unlike unlike in a Rob Zombie stunt casting, is that uh, all three of these you know classic horror icon actors. Um, are have pretty big parts in the movie. Like court, I'd say Courtney Gaines is the lead of this movie. He plays the local sheriff of this, of this town. who's trying to solve them, you know, mystery of why all these kids keep dying. 
Uh, Poncho Moeller is in it. He was the dwarf from 31. And mm. he's even wearing scary clown makeup. Aww. So, But my favorite casting in this is Sky uh, El- Elbar uh, from Greasy Strangler. Played the oh uh, son in Greasy Strangler. So I was as giddy as a schoolgirl every time he was on screen. Um, but I, I think, and you know, I don't want to get too deep into it, but I think this might make a movie. I might have to put this movie on a list for a future episode. Cause I think this movie, Oh man, this movie would make for a really good discussion about what is good acting and what is bad acting <laughs> because you know, you got, again, you've got like PJ souls and Courtney Gaines, those two in particular, we know they can act. We've seen them act. We've seen them do good acting in this in, in movies. This one, not so much. But I, I again, like I'm, 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 I'm to this point now where I, you know, I've talked about it before. I hate talking about acting because who am I to judge acting? Who are, anybody is to judge acting if you're not an actor and you don't know the process? Um, and it just drives me nuts listening to other podcasts pick apart acting when I'm like I'm think that's good acting you guys have obviously haven't seen cannibal camp out to know what bad acting is um microwave massacre (laughs) so um so i had this like epiphany while watching this yesterday of like the problem with those performances and this movie as a whole is that there's 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 no depth to anything there's no depth to these characters there's no there's no backstory to any of these characters. When when Courtney Gaines is on screen, he is a cop saying lines off of a piece of paper. Oh, he's man. he's saying them well. He's saying them convincingly, but it's it's just so flat because I have no investment in this character. He, there's nothing brought to the table. Even if he had like a quirk where I don't know, he he would always eat lightsabers when he's on a case or something, you know, some just a little quirk like that or some kind of backstory or save the cat moment or, or some, 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 um, something for an arc with this character. There's not even any arcs for any of the characters in this movie. So is it the acting? Is it the directing? Is it the writing? Exactly. And that's ultimately my point. Where does the blame go? And in, I think in this situation, in this particular film, it falls in the hands of the writer and the director. <clears throat> so anyway, um, I didn't want to get into it, but I did anyway. <laughs> then the last thing I watched was uh, the new Justice League animated film, Justice League Dark Apocalypse Wars. And I'm the only one that cares about that, so we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tad, what'd you watch? I've watched quite a bit, but I'm going to zoom right through them. Um, outside of the fantastic new episodes of The Last Drive-In that we're all enjoying, um, I've been sort of on a documentary kick. Uh, I've watched, the due to Larry's recommendation last time recorded, I watched In Search of the Last Action Heroes on uh, Amazon Prime. It was a great long documentary is exactly what it sounds like. It's about um, action heroes going way back to the early days through the heydays of the eighties and now, and sort of focuses on the seventies, eighties action movies and uh, talks to a lot of actors who are in these films and their thoughts. And it's really cool. Really awesome. Highly recommend it. Um, I also watched uh, Frank Henenlotter's new documentary, boiled angels, the trial of Mike Diana, 
Oh. It is streaming on Amazon Prime. I think it should be streaming on Shutter because it's absolutely terrifying at times. Ooh, um, nice. <laughs> I know you've it, been like talking about this a lot since you've discovered it, but I didn't know if you'd seen it yet. So yeah, yeah, I watched it that day. I found it. Um, oh, cool. So then the fact that you keep bringing it up, it must be pretty good then. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting for sure. Um, which you know, is most important when you're watching a documentary. I, I knew nothing totally. going into this, but someone in a, another Facebook movie group said it was repugnant and uh, crazy. So I had to watch it and uh, I, I won't spoil much, but if you don't know anything going into it, basically Mike Diana was this um, sort of cartoon comic book artist who made some really, really graphic offensive um, independent comics that he'd send out to people through the mail um, what happened was someone, th- there was a murder. Um, they had no suspects. Someone got pulled over. This person had one of Mike Diana's comic books in their car. They cops looked it over and found a, um, a cell, I guess you would say in this book that was rem- that sort of looked like a murder scene that of this murder that happened. So they went after him he had nothing to do with it, but once they caught wind of this comic book, they thought, you know, they, they really dug into going after him and trying to get him to serve, go to prison basically for drawing this stuff. And it sort of just talks about the idea of freedom of speech and um, how censorship. And it's just amazing to me that they tried to take this man to prison for drawing a comic book that he was, giving to people who asked for it and paid for it. Like he wasn't just out on the street corner, handing it out. He wasn't, you know, sending it to, he wasn't handing out to little kids or anything. Like if you don't want it, don't take it. It's just amazing to me that it it got to the point where it went to court and they had, you know, a whole jury and everything, but it's just, I won't spoil what happens. And it shows a lot of the comics and has a great soundtrack to it. And uh, it's very well made, and they talk to Mike Diana a lot, and they talk to the people involved and the persecutors and all kinds of stuff. And it's just, uh, it has a history, and it also has a history of sort of gross graphic horror comics, and that was very cool too. So you don't, it's not just about him, it's about sort of the history of, of this type of artwork. And uh, highly recommend it. It's on Amazon Prime for free, so check it out. Um, yeah keeping with the documentary thing, I keep watching the last dance, which is about the, oh, bowl, so good. the bowls. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm not even like a big sports guy, but it's just so good. Um, been keeping up with vice's show, uh, dark side of the ring, which is another fantastic sports. Absolutely. Documentary. Absolutely. Yeah. Sad, but Oh man. So informative, well done. Um, it's basically each episode covers one topic in the world of professional wrestling and, in a 30 for 30 style uh, it's narrated by Chris Jericho. And most of these stories are super tragic and dark. Like Chris Benoit was one. Um, oh, yeah. You know, that's the most pot. That's the one that sort of got eyes during their second season, but that was sort of the one that everybody was anticipating, which got a lot of new people into the show. And it's been fantastic this season. They had new Jack, which is the most insane human I've ever seen. Oh yeah. He fucking stab somebody in the ring. Um, oh, Threw a guy 40 feet off a scaffold, intentionally wanting him to miss his landing point and hit the concrete. Right. He's just, yeah. And it's it's a fantastic 
show. What's been really interesting is they show the new episodes on Vice, and then the next week, right before the new episode, they re-air the previous episode, but uncut with extra footage and stuff. So I've just been waiting a week and watching the uncut <laughs> ones. Um, but I highly recommend that. There's some of the episodes are on YouTube. I think Vice put up the Chris Benoit one for free so people can get a taste of it. You don't have to be into pro wrestling. Just This talks about people's lives and uh, yeah. very interesting stories. Just sort of dark history on it. wrestling has some of the most storied history. Oh, yeah. Crazy. The, uh, the Herb um, Abrams one, you don't know whether to just like shake your head or, it, but part of it's actually hilarious, but, um, have you, have you seen the Herb Abrams one with the, I don't think the UWF? So. Is that oh, the first my season? Gosh. Uh, well, no, this is the second season. It's about the UWF. It's about a federation that kind of tanked and it was like this, uh, um, I, I don't want to spoil it for you, but I'll just say, like, uh, basically, the things that are touched upon is about the, and this is the uh, the promoter, the owner. He would be, he's a five foot tall, basically, very coked up Jewish man that loved hookers and cocaine, and basically, uh, and a lot of baby oil. That's how would like a lot of people would like find him in his hotel room. <laughs> He would be like slathered in baby oil and cut just his face would be like Tony Montana level face full of cocaine. And he would be like, and he'd only be wearing cowboy boots and there'd be like these hookers around and he'd be like chasing them with like baseball bats and shit. I mean, it's just like really bizarre. Yeah. I think my favorite one so far has been, I think it's called the brawl for all. And, yeah. uh, that, the whole concept as someone who enjoys martial arts. I love that episode because uh, like I said, I'm going to go through this really quickly, but it's, it's just a crazy concept that if you are not into wrestling, just watch this episode too, because it's about some promoter had this great idea to start a real tournament in the WWE where they would let the wrestlers actually fist fight. Like, and they got a, <laughs> a boxing, boxing commission in there and they let them actually, they set set rules and let them, for real fight, not pro wrestling, but real fight. And they is is like an MMA fight with a bunch of guys who aren't really training. And they sort of picked their guy who they wanted to win. That didn't turn out. A guy they didn't want to win ends up winning. So as a prize slash punishment, they put him up against Butterbean at WrestleMania and let oh. him box Butterbean. They yeah. gave him like a, a month to train to box fucking Butterbean. And it goes as bad as you anticipate. He nearly kills him instantly uh, in front of all these people at WrestleMania. But it's just fascinating that someone that somehow this concept got off a fucking table and happened. And then it just kept getting worse and worse and to the point where they nearly kill someone. Um, yeah. So that shows really, really good. Uh, just great production value. Uh, they, they just, it's, it's the storytelling is fantastic. The people they they get the interviews with people that, other stuff just absolutely love it so check it out um yeah. i only have a couple more great too yeah yeah the montreal screwjob is, is another great one um another thing i've watched i'm sort of proud of this one i got my uh wife into watching i can somehow convinced her to watch the death <laughs> the death wish uh series with me so <laughs> we've watched the first two so far and she's still in um, she had never heard of them or seen them. And I'm like, Hey, you know, I have, uh, it's one of those things I have the Blu-rays and I wanted, been wanting to 
get them watched again. And so um been trying to knock off one a week. So we've made through Death Wish 1 and 2. Just wait and till you get to I've 3, watched. though. Oh, I know. I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I'm like, I, I told her to hang I know. I told her to hang on. I'm like, it's going to take us a, a left turn up here on the third one. Just hang on. Dude, I find it one of my crowning achievements that I actually made my wife watch Death Wish 3 on Laserdisc. And so, you know, there was a break where I had to flip the damn thing over and she was still with me. So, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's what I watched. Excellent. All right. So, um, oh, guess what? What? It's time for a new part of the show, a new Ooh. segment, which I call Insane's Games. This is a part of the show now where we all get to play a little game of my design. I love it because no one knows what it is and they're so nervous right now. It's only going to get worse. You should be nervous. You're the one that has to edit this and, you know. That's true. So for this episode, the game we are going to play is Brian's favorite called Keywords. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Brian's played this before. Brian has played this before because this is a staple at Insane Mike's Mike's Trivia at Halloween Apalooza every year where you have to guess the movie. I'm sorry. I was just going to say my 10-year-old daughter, at the time 10-year-old daughter, about gave Justin Beam a heart attack the first time we ever played this game. (laughs) Some of the titles she was screaming out like <laughs> Justin Eisberg. <laughs> yeah. Um Well how do what is this? How do you play? So yeah, it's called keywords. Uh you have to guess the movie title by using the first four or first sorry, first six keywords from Internet Movie Database. Uh IMDB. Um now it's a point-based system where you could possibly win six points for a right answer. However, Every time I have to give you a new keyword, you lose you lose a point. So we start off with one keyword, give everybody a chance to guess. If you win, you get six points. If I you know, if we have to go to the next one, you get five and so on and so on. <clears throat> so um I'm also will give you the year of the film. You know, to help you out oh, here that's too. Nice of so, you. Um, we'll do this in order. We'll just go down each person. We'll, uh, I chose the order of Tad, Brian, Andy, Jason. So our first one uh, is a movie from 2019. And the first keyword is junkie. Any guesses, Tad? Um, from 2019, Bliss? Incorrect. Now he doesn't lose any points. Or no, no, there's just, no losing points. You just get a, okay. Yeah. Um, I will say these years were also pulled off of IMDb in oh, case anybody wants hint. to argue mm-hmm. the year of the film. <clears throat> okay. So, Brian, do you have a guess for I'm a movie from 2019? I'm guess on. along those same lines and guess VFW. Son of a bitch. He's right. That was going to be my guess. <laughs> it is v- uh, VFW. Dang it. Brian got six points. I should start a little tally sheet here so we can keep track. How many rounds of this is there? Oh, you came over the point uh, system and then you didn't keep score? That's, I know, right? I'm an idiot. That's effective. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it depends. Oh. 
I, I have I have several, uh-huh. but I'm basing it more on like a time frame. Sure. If we don't do them all, but like, you know, if some asshole guesses it after the first keyword, right? Then, <laughs> then we can keep going. Um, okay, so the next movie is a movie from 1980, um, and the first keyword is extreme violence. Tad. Oh, I, I I go again. Just to start. Oh, maybe we should go keep going in the war. I'm yeah, sorry. Okay. I, would, I would say that. I mean, yeah, of course I want the first chance every time, but, uh, you know, sure, sure, sure. Okay. All right. Andy, 1980. The first keywords are extreme violence. Friday the 13th. That is incorrect. Oh, that was my guess. That was your guess, Jason. It was going to be, okay. now I have to think of something else. Oh, good. 1980. Mm-hmm. I'm so bad with years. I will go. Shit. The burning. That is incorrect. Oh, damn. That was going to be my guess too. <laughs> <laughs> Tad. Maniac. Damn it. Yes. Oh, maniac. Oh my God. Spent hours on this. You're playing with experts here. My guess. friend. All right. Okay, so we're going to go back to 2019 for this next one. Where do we leave off, Tad? Okay. Um, no, so you playing at home, yell really loud and Michael hear you. That's right. So 2019, Brian, you're up, you're up next. First keywords are religious cult. 2019 religious cult. I'm drawing a blank. See, I'm, I'm weaker on the newer movies. I don't know. I'm going to give it a pass. All right. Andy, religious cult. Midsummer. Fuck. Oh, shit. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) God damn it. Maybe, yeah, maybe the years make it too easy. Yeah, maybe I should not do the (laughs) So it's test run, everyone. Yeah, no kidding. All right. So the next one, good thing I did several. (laughs) The next one is from 2018. And Jason, you're up next. The first key uh, word is telepath. Tele- I'm sorry. Telepathy, not telepath. Telepathy. Telepathy. Yeah. 2018. Holy smokes. Uh, 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 uh. Shh. Uh, balls pass. It is not balls. Damn it. <laughs> All right. So then next is Tad 2018 telepathy. Uh, I'm just going to go with the Suspiria remake. Fuck me. Yes, yes that's correct. Shit. Uh, yeah. Take the year out of there. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> what came All out right. that year? That was one of my favorites of the year. So I'm like that. Okay, cool. If you don't, everyone's going to, like, yeah, the first one, everyone's going to be like, Carrie or Scanner. I was actually, my guess was going to be Scanner Cop 2, but. (laughs) That's a good guess. That'd be a great guess. All right, then, fine. I'm going to take the years out. Good luck. Um, Decades. So I. (laughs) Decades, yeah. Not even get to go to bed tonight now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the next one. First keyword is severed breast. Brian? 
severed breast. Got to narrow it down. Yep, that's right. Oh. Oh god damn it. it <laughs> uh, I don't know. Society. I'll at least try a guess. I know that's not right, but that is incorrect, but nice nice guess. I like that guess. Okay, Andy. First keyword is severed breast. Severed breast. I'm gonna go with uh burial ground when the kid eats the mom's boob. Yes, but no, that's not right. But uh-huh. yes. Jason, severed breast. Oh, geez. Well, I'm just going to play on IMDb, getting things wrong sometimes. and Sometimes they do. Yeah, That's so what makes keywords so fun. I'm going to go uh, God damn it, brain. Brain, come on, work. It's a mood. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, N- Night of the Demon. So. Incorrect. Tad, have you guessed Severed Breast yet? Severed Breast. I have not. The only one I can think of that sort of has that it's not the house that Jack built, is it? God Tad, damn it. Tad you for are, the win, Jesus, I think. yes, you're correct. So you keep throwing out all these movies I haven't seen. Oh, so, so I'm going to go ahead and blame it on you. That's that's how I'm going to play this game. <laughs> oh, I thought for sure that one would be a tough one until I got to number five. Number five was character, name, and title. We haven't even got to a second. I know. Oh, this yes. is PS, man. <laughs> All right. This next one. This next one will do it. This next one, I'll at least get the four, I think, <laughs> with you guys. Okay. So, Brian, the first key word is slasher. Oh, shit. <laughs> So everyone's just going to start throwing out any old thing. Uh, Halloween yeah, yeah. 3. <laughs> nope. Uh, Andy, first keyword, slasher. Slasher. Um, well, you wouldn't make it you wouldn't make it obvious. Um, so it's got to be slightly obs I'm going to think it's going to probably have to be slightly obscure. I'm going to say shocker. Incorrect. Nice. Okay, Jason. The burning. That's your answer for all of these. <laughs> if I can make it work. And that is incorrect. Damn it. Okay, so where am I? Tad, have I you done? I have not. Um, okay. Pro- Prowler. Ooh. Incorrect. Good or eight guess, but incorrect. So now we're on to the second keyword, finally. Uh, wouldn't that have been complete bullshit if I guessed it? Prowler. <laughs> I'm surprised you did it. <laughs> saw this list. Okay. So now, first keyword is slasher, right? So the second keywords are slasher killer. Oh, Ryan. Come on. Go to three. <laughs> Just before dawn. <laughs> Good one. Great guess, but that is incorrect. Andy. Oh man. Um Um Sleepaway Camp. Incorrect. Jason. Uh let's go with uh let's go with the final girls. Incorrect. Tad? Behind the Mask. Ooh, it's a great one, but 
Correct. Okay, so now oh. we're on to the third one. Whoo, now I'm having fun. Okay, so <laughs> again, we've got slasher, slasher killer, and our third set of keywords are characters killed one by one. Oh, come on. That's... <laughs> this is all off. slashers things. What's next, knife? <laughs> uh, I, I, guarantee, I, I guarantee the fourth oh. one would be is going to be a really good clue. So, so Brian, Bloody Moon. Oh, now I want to watch Bloody Moon, but that is incorrect. <laughs> Andy, Rob Knight, incorrect. Jason, is it? Uh, is it called uh, "You Are Not the Killer"? That is incorrect, but that's the name of the title, name okay. of the movie, but okay. not this movie. Gotcha. Dad. Uh, Halloween. Incorrect. Now we're on to number four. I think this is going to be, again, the one that's really going to help you, if I can say this correctly. Oh. Can exploitation. Can exploitation. Okay. Canadian. So, uh, Brian. Uh. God, I don't remember if this is Canadian or not. Don't go in the woods alone. Incorrect. Andy. Black Christmas. Ooh, good guess. Incorrect. Jason. My Bloody Valentine. Jason got it with My Bloody Valentine. The most, like the biggest (sighs) name Canadian slasher. And my fucking dumb ass goes for a movie that's (laughs) probably not even Canadian. Oh, I was so happy when you didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> you do, you do, right? Oh, and just so you guys know, he cannot see my laptop. That's true. I'm not Rob sure. Knight is technically Canadian to. too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was a Canadian production. That's why, like, you guys were getting so close on some of those guesses. So his curtains would have been another good guess. Prom Night 2. I mean, all the Prom Night yeah. movies are Canadian. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. If it was Prom Night Frantic. Yeah, it is. It really is. I do like that movie a lot, too. Okay, so this will be the last one. Okay. Um, I am. First keyword murder. (laughs) None of us will catch Tad on this one, but. Okay. And this will be another fun one for me, not for you guys. Son of a. Dang it. Ugh. Crap. Going to crap. Mm, um, monster. Come on. Um, I, uh, if you say murder, it's going to be, uh, <laughs> Brian or Andrew for killing you because they need to get to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> part of my, part of my keywords got erased off of my notes. So I got to go to IMDb. The source. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first key word is gore. Tad? Ooh, um, reanimator. Incorrect. <laughs> Great answer. Incorrect. Okay, uh, who's who's next? Brian. Dead Alive. Damn, Damn it, nice. Uh-huh. Good guess, too. <laughs> um, Andy. Okay, gore. I'm gonna say um Hellraiser. Incorrect. Jason. The Wizard of Gore. <laughs> That'd have been awesome. I should have done that one, but no. Damn it. 
Okay, cool. So next keyword is <laughs> slasher. Oh, Jesus. Dad? Yeah, I'm hey. sorry, Dad. Yeah. I will go with the burning. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, that was mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not the burning. Ugh. That would have been awesome <laughs> if it was, though. You and you just totally... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> okay, Brian. Stage oh, fright. Oh, you're getting serious. <laughs> <laughs> stage fright. Uh, so good. good one. So good. No, no, incorrect. Andy. Laid to rest. Ooh. Left field right there. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it does not lead to rest. Jason. The Gore Gore Girls. <laughs> you just put all Gersh Gore and Lewis movies? No. Um, they got Gore in the title. Oh, okay. <laughs> Or is a l- well for us? I think it's I, a little misleading. I know too late. Yeah, now you tell me. All right, uh, just Third. because we know what a lot of gore looks like. Yeah, we do. Anyway, um, there's good gore in this movie, though. Okay, so next keyword is blood splatter. Tad, uh, Evil Dead. Incorrect. So we got gore slasher now blood splatter. Brian, Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Wrong, Andy. Oh Christ! Um, hmm. Damn, I'm I'm running I'm running out here. Um, oh, damn it! Um, <laughs> I really I really can't I really can't think of uh, blood splatter. Slasher and and gore. Those those are the keywords those here. Are the, those are the keywords so far. Yep. Um. Damn. Um. I'm just gonna go out of out of left field. Um. Happy birthday to me. And Ooh, I know I that's guess. wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's wrong. Jason. Tokyo Gore Police. What? The, what? That movie is so awesome. <laughs> I'm wrong. Damn you are it. wrong. You are wrong. Okay, so we got gore, slasher, blood splatter. Our next clue is violence. Tad. Nightmare on Elm Street. Great guess. Wrong, but a great guess. Brian. Killer condom. <laughs> oh, I wish. Oh, now I kind of want to look up the keywords for killer condom. Uh, Andy. Oh, now I just want to be a jerk off. A cheerleader camp. <laughs> um, that, <right? laughs> that is wrong. Sorry. Oh. Uh, Jason. Sleepaway camp. Eh, wrong. Okay, next key. So we got gore, slasher, blood splatter, violence. Uh, the next one, I'm going to tell you right now, the sixth one is the dead giveaway. So, so there's hope so in sight. For yeah, this. there's okay. hope in sight. I mean, it's it's all bullshit up to uh, up to number six, but hope, six hope one in sight, but no end to this show in sight. <laughs> That's right. Uh, psychopath is number five. We got gore, mm-hmm. slasher, blood splatter, violence, and psychopath. Ted, um, um, psychopath. Uh, I'll go with uh, psycho. Great answer. No, Brian. <laughs> the night Evelyn came out of the grave and beat insane Mike to death. <laughs> <laughs> no, Andy. Corpse grinders. 
Nice. No, Jason. Halloween. Eh, wrong. Okay, here you go. This will be the dead <laughs> giveaway. Uh, so we got gore, slasher, blood splatter, violent, psychopath, and number six, supermarket. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> it's, it's not uh, Army of Darkness, is it? Nope. nope. No. <laughs> Brian, but you're what close. Is it? It's the intruder. The intruder is correct. <sighs> And that is our game keyword. Oh so the tallies here: Brian with seven, uh, Andy with five, six. Sorry, Jason with three, and Tad with. I'm out of fingers, so I got to go to the toes. Eighteen. Congrats, Tad! Uh, Congratulations! I took Tad. them when you were given the year, and that was that's true. Pretty, <laughs> <laughs> pretty skewed. I should get a little um, asterisk next to my name on that one. Crazy fun game, Mike. Yeah, it was fun. But we got movies to talk about. Yeah, we do. So our first movie is... One that Jason's going to talk about. What is it, Jason? The movie Jason's going to talk about is from 2006, and it's called Monster House. He knows that. Have fun tonight, okay? Every neighborhood has a house with a secret awesome kite. There's something going on in that house. This is why nobody will sit next to us at lunch. You'll see, no ghosts. Chatter, come back, please. Chatter, I'm serious. <laughs> Executive producers Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg. Oh no! When no one will listen. Don't go any further! Are you guys mentally challenged? If you are, I'm certified to teach you baseball. When no one believes. The house grabs things and pulls them in and eats them! <laughs> we'll see you later. It's up to them to save the neighborhood. We have to fight back. Whoa, 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 whoa! I don't want to go inside a monster. I say it's worth a shot. Yes, I agree. Let's do it. Get ready to cross over. What are you weirdos up to? Oh, nothing. To the other side of the street. Just something in the house just tried to eat us. No more Mountain Dew. Don't make a sound. If those are the teeth and that's the tongue, then that must be the uvula. Oh. <sighs> So it's a girl house. What? Don't make a move. Freeze! Tree? <laughs> and whatever you do, <gasps> don't go on the lawn. Don't look back! I look back! Monster house. Stupid house. Directed by Gil Kennan. That's right. No adults believe three youths and their assertion that a neighboring residence is a living creature that means them harm. With Halloween approaching, the trio must find a way to destroy the structure before innocent trick-or-treaters meet ghastly ends. 
Oh man, that uvula joke is so <laughs> freaking funny. This is the first time I've watched this movie ever. Really, ever. It was wow. It was so awesome because, like, um, when I got to Tina's this weekend, to and I, uh, I she had this movie on DVD, so I pulled it out and had it on the counter. And Brighton walks in and he's like, "Well, you're watching Monster House," and I was like, "Yeah, I've never seen it before." And so this 14 year old kid starts giving me endless amounts of shit all weekend. He's like. You haven't seen Monster House? <laughs> and he's telling everybody. So just the whole weekend, he's like, what a loser. This guy hasn't even seen Monster House. <laughs> but anyway, so I finally did watch it, and it was pretty awesome. I really liked it a lot. Pretty funny. Um, I mean, for me, it all it all comes down to Chowder. Oh, my gosh, he's so funny. Mm-hmm. He's my favorite. Definitely. Um, and I know in some earlier discussions, um, over the weekend, I, I know Brian, Brian's not a big fan of the animation. And so when I'm watching it, I'm like, well, I, I know that it's obviously dated, but I'm like, is Brian on crack? I would have, I mean, I no, I totally know where Brian's coming from because they're kind of all the characters, all the characters are kind of monstrous looking in in and of themselves kind of gross uh-huh. looking even our cute innocent three children protagonists right um but again i think that's that's just the dated cgi right, animation ex- of the time and i and that that should have been the subtitle of this movie or this episode <laughs> is outdated animation for but, all three of but these i movies. expected to see some like 16 bit thing and drawn animation doesn't outdate <laughs> cgi fucking outdates (laughs) but at the same time i mean i know what you're saying totally but at the same time i'm like there were there were a lot of times where i thought the characters moved within uh the frame like a person would that seemed way more realistic than a lot of animation to me which i thought was kind of neat sure i think i think the mouths is the stuff that they couldn't. They still hadn't really gotten a hold of yet. I just knew. I just from what Brian had said, I I turned it on expecting to see some Nintendo game version of a movie, and I didn't think it was that bad. But I know what you're saying the movement looks slicker because it was done with motion capture. This is the kind of like Polar Express. Oh. I think Robert Zemeckis was yeah. a producer on this one, if I remember correctly. Well, that makes sense. Yes, yeah. he was. Yes, a lot of that movement, and that was really he was trying to pioneer that. You know, well, well companies like pixar were going for just the straight animation he was like put he was all in on this motion capture thing and it never really took off for uh fully animated features like this but for stuff like you know godzilla and peter jackson's king kong and and lord of the rings and all that they've you know it's it's more used for live action stuff now Mm -hmm. yep yeah were you were you done, Jason? Oh, I, and then I just I also noticed. Well, I mean, the cast is pretty outstanding. Uh, it it's unrecognizable, for, but it's also not the Steve Buscemi as Nebercracker. Like it's it's obviously him. It's obviously him. But yeah. it also to me doesn't sound like him. Really? Yeah. Oh, sometimes the second I saw this, the oh, first he, time I saw this, yeah. movie, the second he spoke, I'm like, oh my god, that's Steve Buscemi. But my favorite voice actor who I loved a lot was Jason Lee as I mean, the punk bones boy, bones. That was his name. Yeah. Yeah. He was great. And Maggie Gyllenhaal was Z and Kevin James was a police officer. He was super 
yeah, at the time this came out because i saw this when it came out um it was a big deal john heater had that he was yeah. like the, the skull skull and skull. uh you know of course you recognize him right away because that was right after the popularity of napoleon dynamite so it was like oh i know yeah. that that voice anywhere and I know Mike had to be a big fan of uh, Catherine O'Hara and Fred Willard. Yes, mom and dad. Yeah. Like those two oh, should be parents in every movie. I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I also loved, you know, um, Kathleen Turner as the house yeah. <laughs> herself, yeah. the, the the fat lady, Constance. Um, Constance yeah, um, and just the the career of Kathleen Turner. <laughs> amazes me i kind of want to sit down and talk with her but the questions i'm gonna ask i can't think of like uh-huh. politically nice ways of saying them <laughs> like how how she has gone from like the striking beautiful leading lady in movies like romancing the stone and shit to like playing the voice of the fat lady from the circus or playing um playing playing a man uh disguised as a woman uh or uh or like in um, Dumb and Dumber Two, you know, it's just yeah. like she's hilarious in uh, Californication. If you guys ever seen her in that, she's just hysterical. Yeah, and and I love her every time she shows up. I think a lot of it has to do with that raspy voice. Like yeah. now, I think yeah. the part she's getting um, is leaning into into this voice that isn't natural coming from, you know, that you would you know, expect from a woman. Am I making sense? Am I talking that, about my that ass was here? Once, like considered that like, like in a film noir sense, like a femme fatale sort of sultry kind of voice back in the day though. And she was, you know, you know, back, back in the, uh, in the eighties. Yeah. But now, you know, now she's, but now we sometimes get like, confused with Brian's voice. It's, <laughs> it's a little, <laughs> Sorry. you know, she was Chandler's father. Weird. <laughs> friends. <laughs> And, uh, and, but she'll always be serial mom to me. So yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. My first time was good. Cool. Well, not my first time. I've seen this several times. Um, it helps when you have kids and you try to find movies that you can enjoy and they can enjoy at the same time. And luckily I think all of my children have been, have watched this movie at one time or another. Um, I remember we went to, a birthday party in new Sharon where they rented out the movie theater and played monster house. So I got to see this on a theater screen even. So yeah, very cool. Uh, I love the twist. I don't want to use the word twist, but uh, uh, how the story evolves in this and it's more than it just being a haunted house. Yeah. 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 You know, it goes to an Uber extreme. The reverse. Yeah. uh Yeah. Where the, the woman is the house and not, you know, so you get like cool things like them. You, and th- this movie would only work in animation where yeah. you get cool things of like the, the, the carpet is the tongue and trees are arms, trees are arms and, yeah, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, just, uh, I thought it was very, very unique and imaginative at the time of telling a different version of a haunted house story. And it makes for a really good, um, you can put it into that, subgenre of kids on bikes movies yep, and Halloween and you got the Halloween theme going, uh-huh. which anytime you set your movie in Halloween, you score major points in my book. So, but yeah, I, I love this movie and I didn't know until doing research for the show that, uh, 
um, one of the writers on it was Dan Harmon, the yeah. creator of Community, yeah. which I love that show. Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub, those two. That's some, I'm a big fan of their humor, for sure. Yes, they definitely are outside-the-box thinkers Yeah, um, when it comes to writing, so that's awesome. Yeah, this is one I've seen several times. When I, what, 11, 12 years ago when I worked at ShopCo, they would let me uh, as long as I hooked up all the TVs, because I was the only young person that would work during the day, uh, they would have me hook up the display TVs in the back of the store, and they'd let me choose movies. And it, I, it was very um, prohibitive, because it was like, yeah, choose a movie, but it has to be like PG or G if you can. It has to be something, you know, you can't play an action movie on all the TVs, even though I did that a few times. Um you have to be careful what you play for customers. So this was my go-to uh, between this and like the national treasure movies. Cause it made the TVs look really nice. There's bright colors and, uh, and it wasn't offensive, you know, and, but it was still sort of horror adjacent and Halloweeny. So this was always my pick. So I, for a while there, I sort of hated it just because I saw them on the TV, a uh, hundred TVs, you know, every goddamn day. <laughs> uh, for the longest time, I knew every word and beat to this, but I, I, it's been a long time, so I've gotten over that, and I still do enjoy it. And showed my niece, and she loved it, so I gave her my DVD and picked up the Blu-ray, and I watch it every so often. And then, you know, later, after all these years, realized Dan Harmon, you know, was a writer and stuff. It's like, oh, that makes sense now. You know, it's pretty, yeah, pretty cool to see some of the names, I mean, the cast on this is just incredible. Just you, you recognize almost everybody. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun and it's something, uh, you know, a good, uh, what would you say? Leap start, like a good, uh, jump into horror for young, young kids to show them what it's not too spooky, but it's not uh super lame either. So it's a good starter. Exactly. Horror. It's a good, it's definitely a great starter horror. I feel there could be still some moments that, Really read that line. Sure. One of my favorite shots, which I think is could be a very creepy shot, and when when he's laying in his bed before he realizes what's going on. This is like shortly after they thought they had killed the old man. Um <laughs> and like the sun shifts through his window and the shadow of the house comes creeping oh, yeah. through his bedroom. That's awesome. It's a very, very cool shot. And pretty creepy. Yeah. It's it's sort of weird, like when you watch these and I'm like, yeah, the babysitter's sort of hot, but she's animated. (laughs) (laughs) Andy, what about you? Uh, This is the first time I ever saw it. Um, Hadn't really heard much about it. It was, uh, it turns out uh, we, the, the wife had it on DVD as well. And, um, Sometimes I think she she would go out of her way. You know, she she kind of likes the cutesy horror stuff, and she would go out of her way because she would have her nephews over a lot, and she would always buy stuff for the, you know for them to watch as well. And um, we had actually had to crack this open. This thing still had the plastic on it, and um, I thought it was for what it was. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was okay. Um. I guess I wasn't really super blown away by it, but um, it it was fun. It was it's just a it's just a fun, you know, horror oriented kids movie. I mean, which is what they're exactly supposed to be. Um, 
I don't really have much to say about it. You know, I don't have negative things. Um, I mean, I do agree on, on the animation. It's not particularly my cup of tea, uh, when it comes to this animation, but, um, I, I'm not going to crap all over it. I mean, there's just, there's different, you know, different kinds. I mean, it's like sometimes with like, with me in Japan, uh, you know, Japan animation, you know, where like, you know, their eyes are about the same size as their torso. That just doesn't really make any sense to me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, to, to each their own. Uh, I thought, I thought it was, it was, it was just a fun kids movie. Sweet. What about you, Brian? I wish I had another beer to Here's crack the into the microphone, <laughs> but I'm still drinking the one I cracked earlier. Oh, <laughs> uh, I couldn't finish it this time. Oh my! Oh, uh, Mike broke me. I, I watched. Oh my! It this one's the one that broke me. I watched it. I watched it when it first. <laughs> and I know this is especially considering we were talking about people trying too hard to seem contradictory before we started recording. And I swear that's not it. I was really hoping <laughs> this was going to turn around for me. I watched it when it came out on video and I remember just being kind of unimpressed and not really caring all that much, but this far removed from what was acceptable with the animation of the day, what you would expect from a CGI movie in 2006. This fucking thing is a goddamn visual hate crime. It is so <laughs> fucking ugly. <laughs> and I don't like the twist. I remember, like, I didn't get that far this time, but I remembered what it was from the last time I watched it 14 years ago. And I didn't like it then, and I don't like it now. Yeah, that's good enough. I, I don't need to be Captain Negative. <laughs> tonight since y'all liked it and that's okay i'm not saying you're you shouldn't enjoy it but i don't you think your kids would or did uh no because i asked them hey i'm gonna watch this movie for the podcast you guys want to watch it with me phoenix didn't and i and i wasn't expecting him to and isabella uh stuck her head out of her room and said well, what movie is it and i told her and she goes oh I watched that one on Disney Channel when I was little, and I didn't like it then. <laughs> yeah, her tastes are way more sophisticated than all of ours, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's so funny. Well, when I put together the show, I wanted to put, um, I wanted to kind of cover the spectrum, like something. <laughs> then why couldn't we watch Paranorman, for fuck's sake? And I knew yeah. that was going to come up. I knew Paranorman <laughs> was going to come up. I didn't want to take it too easy. I was really, I was really scared. Like, oh, I chose Monster House for the kids-related one, and I'm going to be like, "Where's Paranorman? Where's Caroline?" I was really Where's... scared we might all enjoy one, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, but uh, but also, um, I felt like if we're going to talk about animation and horror, like you know, for me, the first thing that would always come to mind is a um, Japanese animated film so um tad what's our next movie we're going to talk about the next movie is 1987's wicked city yeah <laughs> with the fate of the world lying in the balance his task is simple protect a man's life for 24 hours i'm putting you in charge of guarding him 
Who is this person? Mr. Giuseppe Maillard. Guard him without fail, because as far as the radicals are concerned, if they can kill him, they'll control everything. Thrust into a world of supernatural treachery, his only hope that his new partner is as good as she looks. Top agents from opposite worlds, they're the last defense against the anarchy of the black world. For the life of me, I can't figure out why you're my partner. What you mean is why your partner is a woman of the black world. The twisted beings from the other side will do anything to stop them. Desire turns deadly. There's no place to hide. Wicked City. Yeah, so Wicked City. Two agents, a lady killer human, and a voluptuous demon attempt to protect a signatory to a peace ceremony between the human world and the black world from radicalized demons. I'm just excited to hear Brian talk about I know, this. I right? He's very excited. So, Brian, just go right into it, buddy. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, I'm not necessarily an anime expert, but I have seen this one a couple of times before, and I really like it. Um, I, I, it's That's funny. I was more interested in hearing what you guys had to say about it, because I, had, I, I think I'm the only one who's seen this before. Am I correct? You are incorrect. Yeah. I'll, oh, you I'll, sh- okay, yeah. I'll share I've my history with this movie sure. when, it, when it's my turn. Uh, well, yeah, I was talking about history with it. Um, when I was, I was maybe 13 or 14 when we got our satellite dish out at the farm so I could finally uh, enjoy the, the sinful delights of cable. <clears throat> and the sci-fi channel used to run back when they were a good channel. On Saturday mornings, they would have, they called it Saturday morning anime. And so, like, every Saturday morning at, like, 7 or 8 o'clock, uh, you know, I'd set my alarm and get up so I could go watch whatever crazy-ass anime they had on. And uh, so, yeah, I saw this one on TV for the first time, obviously heavily edited, because there is a <laughs> lot of nudity and sex in this movie. But they kept most of the gore and the weird shit intact. Um, it's it's a fairly standard story wise at least of horror and fantasy fans of the whole you know a human badass and a demon badass have to get together and fight the darkness and and overcome their differences and find love kind of thing but where it really stands out i think is in the visuals uh, you know as I said earlier hand drawn animation doesn't uh, doesn't outdate so much and yeah anime has some weird little ticks that that are, are a little hard to get over for anim- or for uh, excuse me american audiences and myself included like the big weird eyes thing and stuff like that. But that this one doesn't really go that over the top goofy, like sailor moon type shit is what I really think of. Right. When they have like those crazy exaggerated facial expressions, whereas this one is a lot more, you know, this is just a straightforward horror movie. Um, And especially when the monster stuff comes out, boy, this one goes off the fucking rails and it looks great. Yeah. 
Uh, It's based on the first of a series of the Black Guard novels by uh, Hideyuki Kikuchi. And he also wrote Demon City Shinjuku, which, uh, if you're talking about horror anime, usually this one and that are the the two that pop up first. Yeah, I almost said that. And then the... Well, and then Vampire Hunter D, both the novels and the manga. So, I mean, this guy was like the guy to go to for Japanese horror comics and novels uh, at this time period. You can you can hear some uh, reused Toho monster roars. <laughs> What's, I'm assuming is what Tad was looking for from me uh, when when uh, when Taki is fighting the two demon thugs at I think it was an airport or somewhere there where there's a bunch of chain link fence and shit. You can hear a Rodan roar, and then uh, when Maki slices Shadow in half at the end, you can hear a King Kong roar from Kong versus Godzilla, 1962. Nice. Sweet. It was good. There are some cool spider sex and melting titties and a weird, creepy little yeah. guy. <laughs> a 200-year-old pervert. Sexual yeah. Deviant. A toothless sexual deviant. That's going to be and, when he lives to be. Yeah, that's my goal when I get old is to be that guy. So here's a question for you, Jason. Thinking of my art, uh-huh. uh, did you recognize his voice? You know, it sounded familiar. There's a reason I'm specifically about. asking you. I'm assuming it's a Transformer. Yes, it is. Uh, mm-hmm. He, both he and the guy who voiced Taki, uh, my art was voiced by a guy named Mike Reynolds. And Taki was voiced by a guy named Greg Snegoff, who is, his voice is even more recognizable, I think, because he's done a bunch of Studio Ghibli stuff. But they both worked mm-hmm. on uh, Robotech and uh, uh, Google 13 and a bunch of other anime stuff. But Mike Reynolds, the voice of the creepy little old guy, he was also Rail Spike in Transformers Robots in Disguise. Nice. I, I, I knew it was familiar. I just never looked it up. I should have. I, I doubt he was doing the old man voice no, for Rail Spike. No. I don't know. But I mean, both both of the, the two main guys in this are super prolific voice actors, oh, yeah. primarily specializing in anime stuff. <laughs> Definite recognizable tone, you know, voice tone. They were they were awesome. Oh, and the voice of the president um, was voiced by the guy who played President Abraham Lincoln in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Typecast. I think so. I want to hear more how Tad felt about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I I enjoyed it. It's bonkers and fun and. Uh, this is a pretty fun mix of movies. <laughs> uh, I had I had never seen this, and this is something that I would never choose to watch on my own. Nikki, so no, thank. I figured as soon as there was the spider's legs started coming out of the lady, I was like, this is when Nikki walks in, or when his <laughs> hands are melting into the, the the hands are melting into the titties. I'm like, she's gonna walk in and be like, what are you watching? But uh, no, I watched this one by myself, and I laughed a lot, and I thought. Yeah, this is gonna be one that Brian enjoyed. So <laughs> I can, I'm like, like this, and the next movie I'm watching him, I'm like, yeah. Now I know why Brian's the guest on this one. This is why he jumped out of his seat and volunteered for this one. So <laughs> yeah, this this movie is so like plot wise, you're not gonna get super excited. I mean, I think we've all seen something like this. You know, we've all seen Underworld and whatever. But God, this just. 80s anime has such a great look to it and there's so much yes if you can ignore the weird facial tics in a lot of them 
everything else is so beautifully detailed mm-hmm. that just blows American animation out of the water. I it's, agree. Um, it's so kinetic. It's so I bizarre. Bet a remastered version of this would look amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and that and you know the eighties Japanese anime was my wheelhouse. I I was on a huge anime kick um, during that time, and then I just burnt out, and I have not returned to anime since. So it was great to get to revisit this one. I was really excited to revisit this one. Probably part of the reason why I came up with this episode. Um, <laughs> Uh, but my backstory with this movie is the year was 1992 and I was in the heat of bootlegging VHS tapes via mail and swapping tapes with my friends. And when I was at the art Institute of Pittsburgh, had a guy who got a lot of bootlegs and had a lot of these Japanese anime would at the time would definitely be considered far more hardcore than what you, uh, what you would probably think for Japanese anime at that time. Um, and so I, I fell in love with this. And the thing is, is I knew this under the title Supernatural Beast City. Uh, and without any subtitles, there might have been subtitles, but it was a bootleg, so who could read them? <laughs> and definitely not in English. So I had no idea what was going on, but still had watched this movie several times and was captivated by it. <laughs> and Just on mute. You just didn't. So this is the first time I think I watched it oh and completely gosh. knew what was going on. <laughs> um, but no, you can't mute this. You got to hear no, all the all the crazy noises. Um, but it's just yeah, it was definitely just cool with like you know these you know pe- normal looking people morphing into these demon creatures and stuff. And I had just never seen anything like it before, especially in animation. Um, so uh, and then you know the, all the weird sexual stuff that goes on in the movie too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this would be consider considered very early hente. Maybe there's, there's a little bit of tentacle stuff going on. Ruling but, uh, Brian ruling. Well, hentai doesn't just mean tentacle stuff. So I suppose, I mean, I, I I've never seen any pure hentai, so I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, to be honest, me neither. I've, I mean, I've seen, Stuff that goes a little bit further that goes further than this. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe I have. I, I've seen I've seen clips, and I know things go way further than this, but I've never <laughs> seen one all the way through. So I don't know exactly what the qualific, you know, where the where the cutoff is there. There was a there was a series around this time too called I knew it is called Wandering Kid, and it's I, I think I wonder if like this tried to rip off wicked city, but go to even more extremes. Cause it was all about just demons, tentacles and sex, you know, and it had this <laughs> little weird impish guy that was part of the good guy team. That was very mischievous and stuff. And reminded me a lot of the old man, uh, in, in this, in this film. So, but yeah, I've always been a fan of this. And, and, and again, I had, had wiped my hands clean of anime years ago and have not even gone back and revisited some of my favorites from that time period. So I was pretty excited to see it again. And it still holds up, probably maybe even a little bit better now that I know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely be warned. There's a lot of uh, sexual content. I, yeah, just, yeah. Um, I watched it with Tina, and it, it, I'm not sure that she was <laughs> a big fan of it. And what was even more awesome for me, because if you know me, I love awkward situations even when i'm in cartoon titties like i love it no (laughs) no 
again, no. But while we're watching this, yeah. um, McKenna walks in and sits down on the bed and her, with her back to the TV. I think she's 18 now. and But like, uh, my, <laughs> Tina got so uncomfortable. It, McKenna's like, what's what's going on? On the TV, mom, and she's just oh, my, she's just hate, you know she's hating it. And it's so, at which point was it? Was it the giant tentacle that wrapped around our I'm, female protagonist? And I was too busy watching Tina cringe. It was amazing, but but McKenna was like way cooler with it. But Tina was having a hard time. I get it. It was rough. <laughs> what are you going to say, Andy? Sorry. Um. Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh. <laughs> Wow. Uh-huh. Um, I was not, um, I will say this. I mean, I, I really do. I really <laughs> like it. Don't get me wrong. I, I really like this movie. I, I found that it actually held my interest longer than, you know, Akira. And I checked out Akira like uh, a few years back because everybody said that was the one that you watched. I mean, that was the most groundbreaking and it was yeah. good. But um I was not expecting a, you know, teeth. Great. Well, yeah, teeth. <laughs> crazy <laughs> Japanese arachnid porn. Right. Um, and, and it was. I mean, normally, you know, stuff that's like uh, it, this. It's a little too rapey for my for my taste. Um, sure. Just oh, then the you don't want to go any farther into the genre than this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, very true. I, uh, I mean, uh, gr- granted, it's animated, so it's a little bit more uh, easier to uh, to handle. Um, but when he goes to the uh, dark world to get her, it's a little, it's pretty rough. Yeah, it's a little. It's too much. Yeah, yeah, it was a little. Yeah. It was a little much. Um, but I mean, I thought it was. I mean, I, I thought it could have been a lot worse. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, definitely. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting things to come out of elbows and just, uh, yeah, out of all places to like, Andy wasn't ready. Hide, hide your, hide your weapons. <laughs> let's, let's, let's do it in the elbows where, where they point backward. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely worth sitting down once. It's like it's not like a car crash. It's like a hang on. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, it's it's almost like watching like watching something um rot in like fast motion. You know, it's just like it's kind of <laughs> nasty and disgusting, but you just want to see how it happens. And you, you know, get a boner. It's, it's weird. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I guess that's how. Uh, I guess what's that? That's what they were aiming for. Um, <laughs> I did love the love story, uh, though. It's so great. With him to the her. people who are new to this one, have any of you seen Vampire Hunter D? I have. I think I've I have. seen the cover about a million times. So, yeah, <laughs> I would. I recommend checking that one out. And again, that that's a real. You know, if anyone's listening to this who's super deep into anime, like if Don and Nelly's listening, he's probably yelling at me, calling me a poser, because right. that one's like, you know, real entry-level shit. But that's, like you said, you've seen that cover 8,000 times. Everyone knows that one. And it's a little less weird and rapey than this. 
<laughs> it's maybe maybe a little more uh, palatable for a Western audience, I guess. We can add that to the next yeah. this part two with Paranorman. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we could do a whole Laika episode, but that's another time and place. Yeah. Yeah, so so yeah, speaking of rapey, uh Andy, what's oh. our last film for this evening? Okay. Um our next film comes from nineteen eighty one and I gotta steal a line from the Red Rocker himself. It's your one-way ticket to midnight, and they call it Heavy Metal. Columbia Pictures takes you beyond the future to a universe you've never seen before. I think you go a little high, man. It's okay, man. If there's one thing I know, it's how to drive when I'm stoned. It's like you know your perspective's fucked, so you just gotta let your hands work the controls as if you're straight. Oh, wow. Good landing, man. A universe of mystery. Okay, sucker, hand over your cash, now. (laughs) A universe of sexual fantasies. My whips. That was incredible. I've never felt anything like it. A universe of magic. Heavy Metal, 1981. Our story centers around a green orb called the Lochnar, which is also part of the wraparound of our story. After an astronaut brings it home as a present for his daughter, it kills him and then terrorizes the said daughter by revealing to her a series of bizarre and horrific stories it has been a part of through countless times and dimensions. Um... I first discovered this film back in high school, uh, which around uh, 96, and it was on uh, 
uh, direct on demand. It was an all day ticket on pay per view, and I got to thinking. I was just like, "That 1981? How come? How come I've never heard of this?" Because you know, that's that's when I was just like, I was on to you know all these obscure things, you know, these cult films that everybody liked. And it turns out um, the record company did not get the rights for the music. Therefore, it wasn't released until then on home video. And um, since then, when it was released, it actually sold over like a million units. Um, I fell in love with this movie the first time that I saw it. Not that it's very obvious that it was been that it was animated and written by men. I mean, it's it's totally. <laughs> um, uh, just the the voice acting by you know you've got Eugene Levy, you've got Harold Ramey, you've got John Vernon, um, you've got John Candy, uh, yeah, exactly, John Candy, three and, times, um, Candy. yeah, um, and an interesting note about this film when he was doing the voiceovers of this, he was actually making stripes at the time, so when he was oh, done wow. doing his scenes during uh, stripes. He would go over and do the voiceovers for the characters on heavy metal. Um, one particular story that I absolutely is is my favorite one that the Lochnor uh, centers around, and they're all very good in my opinion. But uh, there's barely any dialogue in it at all, and it's of the uh, the B seventeen fighter. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Um. The one that it, makes this whole movie worthy of being on a horror movie podcast. Ex- exactly. Sarah, that's got to be the only segment that <laughs> qualifies um, this. Yeah, other than some of the melting scenes, you know, where, you know, people are getting fried and whatnot. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I agree. That opening scene with the little girl and the thing melts her father, that whole, that whole scene when it turns at that moment, just, I think is creepy as hell. Yeah. Um, this B-17 uh, story was actually a Dan O'Bannon story called Gremlins. And it actually had gremlins aboard um, this B-17. It was actually killing the soldiers, you know, in the, 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 uh, the, the squadron inside there. You know, just it was getting down in the ball turrets, kind of like, you know. And um, to me, this is no better depiction than uh, of what you saw in the EC comics back in the fifties with tales from the crypt and the vault of horror and, you know, all those uh, comics published by William Gaines. Um, uh, And I did a little uh, research on some of the illustrators that, that did the, Tales from the Crypt, and because there was a guy called Graham Ingalls, and it, it basically what you saw on that plane, or particularly more so when he when the uh, the fighter pilot uh, parachuted down to the island with all the corpses and all the all the shit just dripping off their face. I mean, it's just like the literal decay of these uh, these fighter pilots. A guy called Graham Ingalls had used that visual texture of the you know the Walking Dead and the decaying flesh and and stuff like that. Um, Come on, now, if you're gonna say his name, say it right. It's Ghastly Graham Ingalls. Okay, my, my mistake. <laughs> Ghastly Graham Ingalls and um, another. A lot of these uh, um, 
like the uh the femme fatales you know in this they it's they kind of they're they're reminiscent of uh jack Kamen. did i say his name right um he, he also i don't know i don't know if he had a nickname or not okay um but uh he he was the one that did a lot of the females in you know like you know of course the haunt of fear and uh a lot of the detective comic comics of in and the femme fatales you know they were very film noir-esque and uh that reminded me of the of the girl in the in the harry cannon story um uh, the originary, the originators of the stories were, uh, from France. So it was hard to difficult to get the rights, you know, because the original magazine, it wasn't uh heavy metal. It was metal herlant. Her it originated in France and, uh, financing came from Canada. Each segwitch, each sequence had its own director, of course. And they, they just worked in multiple countries. Um, who else did I dig up? Uh, uh, a lot of uh, the the last sequence for the Tarna uh, sequence, which was the warrior woman that took on these these mutants in the end. It was a lot of that was rotoscoped. Um, let's see. Um, really, really, really love uh, this movie. Uh, I, I can't say enough good things about it. I mean, it's it's particularly, it's my kind of animation. Um, you've got Harold Ramey, you know, you know, flying completely high out of his gourd on Plutonium Nyborg, which I can only describe as space coke that's coming out of a vacuum cleaner <laughs> that actually, you know, puts it on the ground. Um, the B-17 guys guts when they fall out when he falls forward i mean that's just horrific um and you know tarna's punch to that green guy's face i mean she literally puts her fist like right through the guy's you know right through the guy's head um yeah uh that's pretty much all i've got i mean i you know went out and bought the blu-ray to this like right when it came out um i'm a big big fan of this movie the sequel eh, not so much but um yeah uh but that's about all i got what do you guys think on the uh bonus episode from last week um on our pa uh, patreon uh we talked about the first horror movie that we remember seeing and this one is it's, it's not it wasn't my pick but it's one i remember seeing way too young <laughs> <laughs> and it disappeared. Like I didn't, I mean, I was a kid yeah. and we didn't have the internet and I just, I didn't know what it was forever and ever. Uh, but I remembered it, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's what I remember. And, and it's, of course it's great. And I love it all for the same reasons you guys do, but saw it way too early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is one that I've never seen. This is the first what? time watch for me, but I've wow. known of it and seen the cover about a million times. I remember <laughs> the uh, DVD and VHS had that like foil background, you yeah. know, so it made it look like it was metal. And I'll be honest, like I remember not wanting to watch it because I assumed it was some like virgin D and D nerd shit. <laughs> so uh, what, what it actually <laughs> is that? Yeah, sort of, but. Uh, it was a lot cooler than, than you know, uh, back when I 
was too cool for that, you know, and yeah. now I'm up for anything a lot more open-minded and watch it. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. And just, it's like something so soothing about hearing John Candy's voice. I just, it's like <laughs> yeah. a home cooked meal, you know, just he- hearing it is just awesome. I love that man. Uh, miss him dearly. So to see him voicing an animated character in a movie like this is like, Oh wow. Uh, but yeah, the, I thought the animation's cool. The uh, story is cool. I I mean, I'm not sure. Like, there were some horrific scenes. I was like, I'm not sure this is necessarily horror, but I enjoy it. You know, I'm these, glad I finally got to see it. These stories were actually legit stories that were in Heavy Metal magazine, but they're they're slightly altered because the Lochnar part is is made up. They needed a wraparound for the film. So they integrated that part of it into each one of these stories. But other than that, all of these are original stories that had appeared within the magazine. This movie's a staple for all of us, you know, like it belongs on this first episode for sure. I I thought it was a absolute must be must pick. And any metalhead like that you see in the movies has this heavy metal poster movie poster like on his <laughs> wall like well, you will you will see it in a in a movie i swear like not just in the pick of destiny but you will see it <laughs> which is funny because like maybe two of the songs in the movie are actually right. metal songs right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the best being mob rules by black sabbath yeah and uh really- i i Thoroughly enjoy uh, working in a coal mine by Devo on this soundtrack. And, oh, okay. uh, yeah, great soundtrack too. I forgot oh, to mention that. Stellar. It's Absolute, awesome. Absolutely great soundtrack. Sammy Hagar, Devo, Blue Oyster Cult, Chip, uh, Cheap Trick, Nazareth, Grand Funk Railroad, Black Sabbath, Stevie Nicks. Um, and I remember that was a big part of the ad campaign. And uh, again, Go back and listen to the bonus episode. I can remember when this movie came out in theaters because they showed the commercials for it, but they would only show the commercials for this movie late at night. Um, and usually when I'm watch- when I was watching, trying watching Saturday night live and I was a little scaredy kid of everything. <laughs> so when the heavy metal, uh, commercial came on, I would switch it to another channel until it was over. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that was the they, big that was the big thing. They just would they just blasted on the on the screen the the titles of the different bands that were featured on the soundtrack, and it dominates the soundtrack. I mean, there is a score as well, which was done, um, <clears throat> which was Elmer Bernstein. Yeah, uh, who's done a ton a ton of stuff, and it makes sense that uh, Elmer Bernstein. Um, Worked on this movie because he worked on like Animal House, Blue, Blues Brothers, Meatballs, Ghostbusters. So a lot of stuff tied to Ivan Reitman. I don't know if you mentioned um, that Ivan Reitman was uh, producer. a producer on this film. Um, hence also I feel like how he got people like John Candy and Harold Ramis and Joe Flaherty to do voices. Um, so, yeah. And also, and, and, Elmer uh, uh, Elmer Bernstein been doing scores since like the fifties. So yeah, so he did the score for um, Day of the Earth Stood Still, among other things. He used he did a lot of like old nice. school sci fi stuff too, yep. so. mm-hmm. including Robot Monster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 that, that, that was one of his first credited scores, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I too love this movie. I used to have it on VHS, and I haven't seen it since VHS, so it's been a long time. Um, you know, like, the the motion of the animation, you know, doesn't hold up. It's a little slow and clanky in parts, and, you know, a lot of the animation was what they were experimenting with through the 70s and the early 80s when it came to um, adult-oriented animated films, um, where it was a lot of, like drawing over top of real action and that that's probably the most apparent at the very beginning of the of the film yeah so um, rotoscoping was the original motion capture yeah yeah rotoscoping you know um uh a lot of the more adult animated studios were using that technique in the day you know but what, what also was really cool about the film as far as art style goes there's just a very a lot of variating uh, variations of different art styles in this throughout the different stories and a lot of awesome artists that contributed uh, to the film like uh, Richard Coben um, who he did the Dean story because it's based off of his character Dean that um, started in the comp in in its own his own comic and then eventually he ended damn. up in What's that? Or yeah, dead. Yeah. Sorry, dead. Um, ended up in uh, heavy metal, and then you got Mobius uh, was a contributor, and even Bernie Wrightson. So, um, a lot of cool artists that contributed to this. My favorite also is the is the uh, the, the World War Two plane one. Um, just very very awesome and creepy. Uh, I just, that segment alone makes it worthy, but just a lot of those moments with like, yes, with people melting, even during the, the first, uh, the first storyline, um, with, uh, Harry, Harry, Harry Canyon. Canyon, um, which Harry Canyon. Wow. What a f- <laughs> fucking perverted name. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Did you notice Robbie, the robot sells him a hot dog? Yep. That's in my notes. <laughs> Robbie, the robot is credit. It's even, he's even credited as the robot. Was he really? So, yeah. Yeah. You could find it on his IMDb on Robbie, the robots, IMDb page. Um, Apparently when, uh, when flying cars are around is when jaws seven is going to be released as well. It's you saw <laughs> that in the background. Another interesting note that I thought of uh, Harry Canyon. Uh, he was voiced by Robert uh, Romanus, who played uh, Vic Damone in uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So if you can place that face with that uh, character. Nice. Mm. Awesome. Lately, I've been having um, some very, like almost every night, having very vivid dreams. And... Uh, it's like what I watch or what I do during the day seems to contribute to that. And this one uh, <laughs> gave me a few weird dreams. Nice. Not Sounds necessarily like delightfully they're actually awesome. Not as good as you might be thinking. Like uh, I think it was the segment where the dude, like his body changes and he's, he's a big muscular guy and he's trying to intimidate people with it. Cause he's, you know, he's like, Oh, check. I'm, I'm big muscular dude. And he goes after, uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah. and then later that night, like I had a dream where I signed up for an MMA fight and I had never trained. And then like <laughs> I was all about it until it's like, okay, it's about your time. And I'm like, what the fuck have I done? Like, I am not ready for this. I have not trained. I have, I am not at all ready for this. What have I'm I done? Change into the large muscular man. Right. And I was like, I was like looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, dude, I don't do any physical activity. Like I am not in shape. Like, what am I doing? I'm going to get killed. Like, is there a way? 
if I just don't go. Like it's one of those things, and then I woke is is like you wake up and you're relieved. But I, I'm pretty sure this movie contributed <laughs> to that. You couldn't turn into Hanover Fist. Yeah. Now for people that out was there, the Bernie writes in peace. By the way. Yeah, yeah. Bernie Wrightson did the uh, did that segment. Yeah, which is weird. That, that art that art style doesn't. You know, I don't think it doesn't look that much like him. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't is not what I think of when I think of Bernie. Uh, Bernie's art. Actually, but, funny thing is, when I saw Stern, I immediately thought of Bruce Campbell. <laughs> because they do a live action version. They- yeah, he's like a live action version of Bruce Campbell. <laughs> but yeah yeah again i love it if you if those out there who are listening who have never seen it before just be warned it, again there's a ton of nudity in this one um i think nudity alone probably almost surpassed wicked city just based on nudity not oh, not the yeah, amount of sex sure. but <laughs> yeah yeah every but segment's got a naked woman at one point or another so well except for the the airplane one but um yeah uh, I forgot what else I was going to say about it. But check it out; it's awesome. Uh, even with in Den, uh, the the main like the animated characters don't look that much like Richard Corbin's art. Richard Corbin is like my absolute favorite horror comic artist. He's a fucking genius. He's done some Hellboy stuff that's amazing. He's done a ton of H.P. Lovecraft stuff, and mm. fa- and the the thing that really is more telling uh, to his art style in in the Den segment are the backgrounds. Um, all, yeah. all the, the the architecture and stuff really because he's does this very weird sort of uh, it's not exactly pointillist but um, his style is very specific. If you've ever read any of Richard Corbin's comics, you know when you're looking at a Richard Corbin thing. But uh, the deity that the cults are trying to summon in in the Den segment is Ulitek, which yeah. is if you written out you know if you if you see it in the script or whatever it's actually cthulhu spelled backward mm-hmm. giving a little nod to hp ah. lovecraft there and here's one going back to when i used to bug jason about this on every episode one of the art team on this speaking of pointillism was a guy named chris achilios who did a lot of covers to the target books doctor who novelizations line <laughs> i knew it would come yes, out somewhere we got it got oh. it in there <laughs> i I I would maybe blasphemous, but my least favorite segment is the one with the aliens and the space coke. Oh, it's terrible! Yeah, yeah. there's no point because it doesn't even it doesn't go anywhere. There's no yeah. ending to it. It's just like oh, they suck this hot lady up and they take off, and then the aliens do a bunch of coke and and apparently in the I've never read the the story version of it, but I guess there's like the aliens are barely even characters in it, but for some reason, I guess probably because of actual earth drugs, they thought it would be really funny to focus on the aliens doing space drugs. Yeah. I kind of feel like, Hey, we got these great comedic actors. We need to have some, some comedy going on in this movie, but I don't know. That one's really flat to me. It's so beautiful. So dangerous. It was, is the uh, name of the story. I mean, some of the stuff is funny. I mean, I like the whole um, uh, war room scene where they're talking about it. the doctor's, and then he the doctor starts going nuts and goes out, and he's like, "Ooh, pretty!" And he goes after the pretty. the Lochnar around the uh, secretary's neck, and then the whole 
the whole thing between the secretary and the robot and that, that stuff was funny. Uh, I didn't find the, the Coke snick- sniffing stuff funny and that you know, drug humor never really lands well with me, but, but yeah, it's a completely utterly, utterly pointless story or lack thereof. I think, um, John Candy seeing the word like asshole more than once in this movie is like absolutely charming to me. <laughs> Because that guy like rarely ever swore, but it doesn't count because he's off camera. So, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Cool. Oh, cool. and and speaking of like, you know, guest appearances in this movie with Robbie the Robot, um, I feel like the Boogie Boy from Devo makes an appearance in this movie when the band is is playing on stage. And it's the Devo, it's a Devo song, and then it cuts to one of the band members. It's the design of the, you know, the trademark Boogie Boy character from, hmm. from Devo. The Boogie Boy's in the movie. Did anyone else feel in the Tarna episode that she was, like, the whole thing was sort of frustrating and could have been the, the disaster and the wiping out of the people she was supposed to protect? could have been averted if she didn't take a week to put on her goddamn battle bikini. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think they were like, we got her naked. We don't want her to get her dressed too fast. And the thing is, that's like the most weakest battle armor that I've ever seen. That woman would be fucking dead. There's no, I mean, it's just like, this is like. Yeah. The only thing that battle armor is going to do is chafe. Yeah, I mean, who designed your battle gear? Like, you know, uh, a pubescent, you know... Well, maybe the idea is that all the entire enemy army has awkward boners. (laughs) (laughs) None of them can stand up, so you can just walk down their ranks beheading them at your leisure. They could just hold their shield up with their boners. (laughs) They'll just set it on here. All right. Awesome. Everybody get a chance to put in their two cents on heavy metal? Yeah. Good yeah. movie. Watch it. For sure. Face bonus. So that, <laughs> <laughs> so that wraps up the discussion on car- cartoon horror movies, folks. But fear not. There's still more Attack of the Killer podcast to come. Uh, first, we're going to take a quick break so we can hear about our podcast network, the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Now with over 20 shows. So we'll be right back with some segments here. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. And we are back. And it's time for shoutouts. It's time for shoutouts. Shout out! Shout out! Shout out! Shout out! 
All right. We just asked what your favorite cartoon horror movies were, and we got a bunch of responses over on our Facebook page. We got Casey Kelderman says Monster House and Disney's The Adventures of Ichabod. You know, we love the Ichabod stories. Oh, yeah. Sleepy Hollow, we did that. It would have been nice to put on this show, but we've already talked about it. We did. We did. That's around our live at, what was that, Dad? Lit, um, Lipcon 2? Geek-tastic. 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 Around last October, we talked about it. Uh, Nick Leadham says, probably Perfect Blue, though I love some Vampire Hunter D. I don't know Perfect Blue. I've, I've it's on my list to see. I've heard it's fantastic. Nice. It's sort of an anime version of a giallo. Ooh. Ooh, got Mike's attention. Yeah, color me there. Color me blue. <laughs> over, uh, Tad shared it. So over on his page, he had some friends uh, comment. We got Laura Beckman. Uh, she says, hug a bunch. I, I watched a few seconds of it. Pretty scary. Pretty creepy, he says. Oh, okay. Hug a bunch. Not, not, in, not in ten, intentionally horror, like just <laughs> creepy kids animation. So there's, uh-huh. there's a link to the YouTube video over on Ted's Facebook page. Uh, Colin Souter says, here's one I enjoyed programming for the Chicago Critics Film Festival. Funny thing, there was a technical glitch in the fu- file we had, so it was presented without Richard E. Grant's narration. I apologize to the audience and found a way to present it with the narration as the director intended. When the program was over, many people said they preferred the mistake version without <laughs> narration. Weird. Um, maybe there was a little hipsterism going on there. It, it, he did say it was in Chicago, so that's possible. I love Grant's delivery in the films called Teeth. And again, uh, Colin put a link uh, to that video on Tad's Facebook page. Then we got the, the Reebster himself, Mike Reeb. He says, Walt Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Seriously, when you take out the songs and cuteness, it's a friggin' <laughs> horror movie and genuinely scary at times. Cool. You No, okay, yeah. We're going to have to have words with Mike when we see him next. <laughs> so it scared him, all right. He also says, Coraline was awesomely scary. Monster House is great. And my all-time favorite horror short, is Walt Disney's The Skeleton Dance. Oh, yeah, nice. That's great Halloween background, Halloween party background. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. There. And then uh, our pal Wayne White, he says um, he rewatched Disney's animated Snow White the other night, and he has a weird theory. <laughs> the prince is actually death. This is really long. I don't know if you want me to read it all or not. It's anyway, he goes on <laughs> uh, to explain how like, backing up why Snow White is a horror movie. Okay, I this is all over on Tad's page, and Mike uh, agrees that that's a fun theory. Over on our group, uh, Facebook group, the group edition, um, Trevor Mickelhenny says the Telltale Heart from 1953. Sweet. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow portion of The Adventures of Ichabod Crane and Mr. Toad. Absolutely. Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Gantz. Colon O. Oh. Yep. That is pretty cool. It's a yokai monsters thing. And then another anime. It's oh, very, very cool. Like monster hunters that have to go out and fight the yokai. It's, it's pretty spiffy. That's cool. 
And Trevor mentions one of Insane Mike's favorites, Mad Monster Party. Yeah! Mad Monster Party is awesome. Yeah, agreed. Up next, we got attacker Peter Parker. He says, Perfect Blue. Paranorman. Animated, does that count? Well, of course. Well, of course. And Evil Tunes. I know you love that. I do. <laughs> I do. But, I mean, as much as I love that movie and I love Frenel and Ray, the title is false advertising. Because right. <laughs> there's only one tune in the whole movie. And then uh, Peter says, honorable mention, um, Evil Dead 2. Not drawn, animated, but you can't get much more cartoonish than that. So true. <laughs> so true. <laughs> And up next, we got My Bleeding Ears. That's one of them awesome podcasts on the PFPN.com. Um, I assume it's Larry. Uh, he says, Wicked City. Oh, good choice, Larry. Yeah, great per- minds. Perfect Blue. Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust. And he says, uh, favorite alien ripoff, Lily Cat. Oh, that's on my list for honorable mentions, too. Yeah, good. yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it, it, it's a it's a total alien ripoff. Yeah, it's uh, directed by uh, Hisayuki Toriyumi, who is most famous for doing the Gachaman anime series. Very cool. Larry loves his alien stuff. Uh, next, we got uh, attacker Andrew Moeller. He says the Resident Evil animated films. I haven't seen any of those. Yeah, me neither. Frank and Weenie. Woo! Mm-hmm. Uh, Soul Station. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, yeah, Sequel. that's the the prequel, prequel. to uh, Train to Busan. Right. Monster House, good one. Dead Space. I've nice. seen it around, I haven't watched it. And Scooby-Doo Zombie Island. I have seen that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, lastly, on our Facebook group, group we got Attacker Tim Letterer. From the Fiasco Brothers, watch a movie. Also an awesome podcast on the PFPN.com. He says, Paranorman. It's a stop motion Evil Dead 2. You know, for kids. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We didn't have anything on Instagram. um, But we got over on our Twitter. We got our attacker, Stefan S. At Olympios. He says, oh my God. Where to start? There are so many things that creep me out when I was a child by watching cartoons in general. Um, if you pick any of the older black and white cartoons or even some scenes from older Disney movies, as well as Looney Tunes, got some scares for a child. And he goes on, not only movies, but there are some creepy, disturbing moments. Melting scene in 81's Heavy Metal. Uh, Coraline, in general, scared my youngest. And the witch in Paranorman scared my oldest. Uh, the Boogeyman from The Real Ghostbusters. Uh, the Sounds in Tom and Jerry's Switchin' Kitten. And then a last uh, tweet, he says, Oh, and don't forget to mention Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. From the 1990 Worked on Me. I learned that drugs are the devil. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. Totally. So that's all we have for shout outs. Remember, you can also give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. And that's shout outs. Mike, you know what's so cool is that we've been having celebrity guests uh, come by 
Um, That's right, we have. Oh man, and, and we've had some great ones lined up. I I wonder if anyone's stopping by this episode. Hey, how you doing? This is uh, Danny Trejo for uh, Attack of the Killer podcast. <laughs> uh, you may remember me from uh, you know some of Rob Zombie's movies. You know uh, uh, the Devil's Rejects. You know uh, Halloween. You know, I did a few canon films, you know. I, I think Charles Bronson might have killed me a couple of times, you know. Uh, but uh, I got to tell all the attackers out there to uh, keep keep listening to the show. You know, I, I am the nicest fella you're ever going to meet. But uh, if you don't keep listening, you know, you know what's going to happen. Oh, I would text you, but, you know, hey, machete don't text. Here's insane Mike's picks. Listen. Thank you, Danny, for that intro. I loved you in the Spy Kids movies. Oh. All right. So the insane's pick for this episode is from 1978. It's called Alien Zone, or also known as. House of the Dead. Not that one. Uh, this is directed by Sharon Miller. It's an it's a uh, rather bland, I guess maybe would be a good word, anthology film with four stories and a wraparound. The, the wraparound starts off with, uh, uh, well, first of all, I'm going to say, I think Tales from the Hood may have borrowed from this a little bit. Or maybe this movie completely just tried to rip off the original Tales from the Crypt movie. I haven't decided on my opinion on that yet. Anyway, so this guy is, uh, we start the movie off. He's having an affair with this woman, um, cheating on his wife. He goes to leave to go to this uh, plumber's convention. And he's being driven there and he gets dropped off at the wrong house. Apparently he, and it's raining out, so he seeks refuge in this house and there's this creepy old dude there who's a mortician and kind of shows him uh, several of the dead bodies in his morgue and tells him their stories. So you got four different stories. First one's about this like this like nasty mean woman who's mean to children who's basically, you know, getting creeped out by some noises and some things going on in her apartment. Turns out it's three evil kids in Halloween masks. But when the masks are revealed, oh my God, they have these real, very realistic fake plastic teeth. And so that means they're monsters or something. <laughs> Story number two is killer. Um, <clears throat> this killer uh, gets blind dates to come over to his place and he films them while he strangles them. Um, he strangles one woman with her own pantyhose when he asks for one of her stockings to do a magic trick. And she, like an idiot, she agrees, because she's, but she's wearing full-on pantyhose, so she has to take the entire pantyhose off. And I, the whole time I'm thinking, you kind of deserve to get strangled at this point, lady. <laughs> Third story is uh, there's these two detectives investigating this, this death um, these, this British inspector and this Columbo ripoff wannabe, uh, American inspector detective, uh, who are both kind of competing to be known as the world's greatest detective. And it turns into a murder mystery where no one wins. 
And then the fourth story, uh, I didn't write it down. So <laughs> and it turns out, surprise twist, a wraparound story. The guy is there because he's dead too. Oh, you just knew it. So yeah, so tales from the tales from the uh, tales from the crypt. Anyone Crap. or tales from the hood? Anyone? <laughs> so yeah, it's it's on YouTube. Um, it's definitely not the greatest anthology film in the world, uh, um, but I think it's worth a watch. It's got some fun moments. I really was entertained by um, by some of the acting choices in this film with the second story with the killer. Um, they're, they're, all of these are poorly written. There's, you know, usually with an anthology and you get stories like this, there's usually um, some kind of little stinger at the end or, or some, some kind of reveal that, uh, you know, makes it all worth it. And all of these just end so flat. Uh, but the, probably the best one as far as the ending goes would be the one with the two, the two detectives. Um, kind of mentally battling each other, um, but even that was like just predictable from the from the get go. Uh, but you know, again, there's there's some silly things that go on it that I think makes it worth at least one watch. So it's there in full on YouTube. Check it out, Alien Zone, aka House of the Dead. Awesome. And speaking of awesome. Attack of the Killer Podcast is awesome, but unfortunately, that is all we have for you this episode. The hell you want from me? I'll tell you something else awesome. What? Brian was here. Yes, let's hear it for Brian, everybody. Hey, what's so going great on? to have you back, bud? Yeah, glad to be back. It's always a pleasure. Right before we started, I ordered uh, issue sixty, so I got that coming. They still have one. Have to get it. <laughs> Thank you so oh, much. Pimp it out. Pimp it out. Yeah, I my first article. I know I've been the last couple of times I've been on. I keep talking about this, and then it didn't happen. Didn't happen. Finally, my first article in Scream Magazine landed issue sixty, and then the fucking pandemic happened, yep. and Barnes and Nobles are closed across the country, uh, and it's only available online at ScreamHorrorMag.com. But just today, they put out a post saying that this issue did record sales despite the uh, the lack of physical availability. Wow. Uh, wow. And uh, they're almost completely sold out. So, and that's all. Cool. We you. assume it's all for Brian. Yeah, right. right. I'm sure. <laughs> what was your article about? Uh, the Son of Kong. Oh shit! Oh, cool. Yeah. Yes. Very cool. I can't wait to read it. Anything else new with you? I've been hoarding myself around on various other podcasts. I uh, just recorded an episode of It Came From a Monster Movie that'll be out in August. And about a month ago, I was on uh, Late Night Psychorama. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think it's just my goal to be on every show that's on your network. I'll, <laughs> I'll help you do that. Now, what, what, what was your what was the films you talked about on your Late Night Psychorama? Uh, we did Awakening of the Beast, which is a Coffin Joe anti-drug PSA movie, and uh, Jess Franco's A Virgin Among the Living Dead. Yeah, you schooled those guys, You too. did. You put them. Oh, come on. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, it was great having you back, man. And, you know, you're always welcome here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. 
But sadly, we do have to say goodbye. So I want to thank everybody out there for listening. I want to thank our attackers for your support. And until next time, thanks for listening. Talk to you again soon. Bye. Oh no, could this be the end of? Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Jason, show's over. I, I got this message from Insane Mike. Uh, he, he didn't have the heart to come and tell you guys this himself. He he needs your help, and he's a he's a fragile guy. He needs you to know that you're behind him, and you're on his side. So look, he, he wanted me to come and say a few words at the end of the show here. So first, thanks for listening. Second, thanks for subscribing. And third, head over to jointheattackers.com and find out how you can support Insane Mike and become an attacker today.